We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Hurst. It's just me tonight or none of the lads are, are here in any case because no matches this weekend, no matches that matter unless you have a a Northern Irish or, or Irish perspective. Um, so rather than talk about football and Newcastle United, we decided to do a podcast about the various fan movements that go on at the moment. It's not that long ago since the club was in such a downward spiral that things like uh, war flags, Lisa's flags, who we're going to talk to, just wouldn't have been possible. You've also got the Majestic and UFC Fans Food Bank, um, and you've also got the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, all pulling supporters together you know, for positive reasons and positive or trying to achieve positive change with the football club. You've also got a football club that's um, receptacle and, you know, almost, well, very positive about all of the initiatives I've just mentioned. So this is a podcast with me talking to the four groups. We've got Peter Fannin and Colin Whittle of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust first up. I then speak to David from War Flags, uh, Ed from Lisa's Flags and finally Bill Corcoran um, from the NUFC Fans Food Bank. So I hope you enjoy it. Something different, and it's a chance for, you know, it's a chance for me. I really enjoyed speaking to to these people and, and hearing what they had to say, and hopefully the messages, which are ultimately for you guys listening, um, are, are enjoyed. And you, you know, I would I would urge everybody uh, listening if you can to get involved, particularly with the supporters trust and the food banks, uh, because they are you know they are looking for members as a, as a supporters trust and the food bank. The money obviously goes to hugely important places and. Again, with both flag groups doing fantastic things, the atmosphere is in James's Park. It's now, you know, a staple part of match day, in my opinion. Um, you know, the players love it, the manager loves it, the fans love it, and you know, I can't wait to see what this one hundred and twenty-five anniversary looks like against Leicester. Even though I'm not be at the match, gutted. Um, so yeah, without further ado, I will leave you in the capable hands of uh, Colin and Peter from the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Yeah, uh, no bother, Alex. I mean, the, the whole supporters' trust movement, some of that kicked off around 2000, uh, influenced by what was happening in uh, Germany, where uh, supporters had a 51% share in their clubs. It started off in England in around 2000 and gradually uh, uh, started to grow. I actually tried to kick off a supporters' trust uh, at that particular time when the uh, uh, the club uh, had an annual AGM, and <clears throat> we actually got 100 signatures to kick it off but were outvoted by the uh, former directors um, uh, Mr Shepard and Mr Hall at the time um, <clears throat> how it started again in 2009 so it was still in my mind it was and then obviously after all the rumpus after Kevin Keegan left 
the Newcastle United Supporters Club was uh, formed. And um, in around mid-2009, um, I was contacted once again by the National Supporters Trust uh, organisation uh, called uh, Supporters Direct, who effectively oversee all the organisations who are form the Supporters Trust movement, and asked whether or not I would be interested in um, re-energising the idea in Newcastle. So um, at a Newcastle United Supporters uh, Club meeting, I attended and uh, put a motion asking that uh, the Supporters Club be converted to a Supporters Trust. And the idea behind the Supporters Trust, it's, um, it's an industrial and provident society. It's got its own, own model rules. It's got a board uh, appointed in accordance with the rules. I know it's a bit boring from an, an administrative governance point of view, but that, that is the point. And what happens is um, every year, half the board uh, have to resign that position and somebody else can then put themselves forward to be on the board. So it allows members to put themselves forward, shape the strategy and the way the trust um, looks in the future. Uh, the, the whole idea behind the trust is, is ultimately that you would like um, support our ownership of football clubs, but the starting point is to have support at engagement, uh, and that's what we're looking at, in particular with regard to the uh, community statement that um, we put out a couple of years ago and how, how we see Newcastle as the, the centre of our own community and it's reflected very much in the things that are happening at the moment like you know like the food banks and um, the uh, flags etc yeah. so so from our perspective it's very much in the right direction and and since Rafa come whereby he's been engaging with supporters a lot more uh, we felt that togetherness has increased good work that the foundation's doing so uh, that's the way we're heading at, at this moment in time very interesting um peter can you tell the listeners a little bit more specifically about the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and um, why you, th- you think supporters should get involved beyond what Colin said. Yeah, um, I mean, I haven't been in- involved quite as long as Colin, but I've, I've been a member, uh, um, obviously, since shortly after the Trust started. And uh, and I've been a, a board member now probably for about, um, probably about five years, I think. Um, for me, the big thing is about getting our voices heard. Like Colin said, the aim of trusts really um, is about taking ownership of their clubs, but that generally only happens, you'll see loads and loads of examples of it if you go looking, but they tend to be in the lower end of the the football league because it's often when football clubs are kind of having serious financial trouble and they're in danger of of going into administration or going out of business. And and the, the fans are kind of the the place of last resort who put their hands in their pockets and they um, get the money together they get active and they save their clubs now we know that in the premiership I mean that's that's kind of that's just not going to happen it's unrealistic to think because really I mean because of the money that's involved at premiership level it's unrealistic to think of the fans actually buying the club but we do think there should be an opportunity to buy into the club because Whatever people say about the owners and the ownership and whatever you have clubs, really the clubs are the fan, are for the fans. It's our club, um, and we should have the opportunity to have more say and, and and influence the way the clubs managed. So, for me, the big thing about getting people to join the trust is because if we organise and if we get together, 
we can get our voices heard. And like Colin said, whilst buying a share in, of the club or buying the club might be something on the back burner at the minute, in, increasing the kind of um, the engagement between the club and the fans is something that we're really working hard to do. And there's there's been two or three examples just in recent years where it demonstrates it can happen if we organise properly and we get together. Um, I mean, the the, the the other national organisation to support us direct is the FSF, the Football Supporters Federation. And they've been running the campaign for some years now, and last year they were successful in in getting the, um, a cap on the price of, of, of away tickets for, for fans in the Premiership, um, a £30 cap, which is brilliant, because, I mean, some of the clubs were charging fans, you know, 60 and 70 quid and what have you for a ticket. Um, and recently, more recently than that, there was the, um, the, the suggestion that they were going to shift the fixtures from the 23rd of December so that two or three games would be shown on the television on Christmas Eve. Um, and the, the fans' trusts around the country got together, um, sort of virtually initially, but then we got a meeting with, um, with, with the Premier League and I spoke directly to the, um, the, the head of PR at Sky about the why this shouldn't happen. We had a meeting with the Premier League, with actually with Richard Scudamore, and we um, we convinced him, and certainly he went back to the television companies. They had further talks, and it turned out that um, there isn't now going to be any games on, on Christmas Eve. Because, I mean, without listing all of the things about why you shouldn't, I mean, whether it was transport, whether it was religion, whether it was family issues or whatever, it was just wrong. Um, and I think the fans got together really quickly and made it clear to the Premiership and to the broadcasters that this was something that was just wrong. Um, and there's no games on Christmas Eve. And so that, that happened within two or three weeks, you know, and, and it was about getting organised, getting together and making it uh, making it happen on behalf of fans. There's that sort of thing. There's a thing that Colin's probably going to talk a little bit more about, the Fans Food Bank, which is a brilliant thing that fans at Newcastle have done. He'll tell you about the sort of the work we've done with others around the country. About fans getting together and actually making something happen for the good of the community based on being a football fan at Newcastle United, but it's for the good of the wider community. And what when fans get together and we, we, we speak as one voice, then we can get loads of things done. Yeah, I mean, what, what I kind of take from that, Peter, is the um, the arrangement for the, the £30 tickets and the fact there are going to be no games on Christmas Eve. Do you think it would be fair to say that fans have got to organise for these things because you know it wasn't the outrage on Twitter, it wasn't people sending abuse to the Premier League account, it wasn't people even writing blogs it was you know actually got anything done is sometimes as helpful as those things can be do you th- you know do you do you do you agree that it's it's vital that fans actually organize themselves into supporters trust so, so that they can be heard because it's not the case of um of just being angry online or shouting at people or uh, having to go at the club you're absolutely right alex it's 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 and that for me is the big thing it's about it's about getting organized there's we're the biggest stakeholder in football and yet we've got the least influence and the least say in how the game is run because 
we all deal with it separately. We all have a bit whinge on with one mate in the pub. We all have our own things that we like, our own hobby horses that we like to get on the soapbox and have a shout about. But actually, we're too focused on just wanting to watch the football, and that's a good thing. And I've got nothing against that. That's that's why I'm a, a, a football fan. I want to go and watch football. But I think that we should have some say in the governance of the game because the people who run it now are not running it properly. There's been investigations and there's been work done at government level and there was a, a culture, media and sports select committee which has done a study. And one of the things that came out of that is that football is one of the, the worst governed sports that you'll find. I mean, to, and, and you can understand why there's such... The, the amount of money involved now is, is, is kind of obscene. And it's just... We've got 20 clubs that are run by millionaires or billionaires as a kind of pet project for them, but they're not going to let anybody tell them how to do things. So if we're going to get our voices heard, it's no good just, you know, spouting off on Twitter. Even if there's quite a few years, you know, agree and, and you get a lot of likes to your view and all the rest of it. Um, unless we organise properly and unless we take our views to the appropriate place and have the arguments in the right place, then we'll not get things changed. And that's what that's what trusts can do. I think the Christmas Eve example is a good example of that because um don't believe it would have just been Christmas Eve. Uh, we've had our games shifted uh, to Sunday afternoon, 4pm all around the country. And I, I think uh, in general, those that run the game really don't pay any heed to that. But I think when we're down there making representations to the people who made the decisions, it's it's they, they actually see where we're coming from and sort of demonstrate to them that we're not madmen and that we're making reasonable suggestions to them. And I think one of the things that we're suggesting at the moment is that you know when the next TV deals negotiated, speak to fans about um, you know the inconvenience to certain games at certain times, etc., etc. And we're not party to the agreement, but as Peter said, a big stakeholder in the whole thing. It's all important that away fans are at games to generate atmosphere, etc. And if you bring us in and allow us to, um, you know, take part in those decisions, then you know it, it will be better for everybody concerned. And I think um, you know that that meeting with the Premier League and the separate discussions with Sky probably alerted those organisations to to look that the supporters have got something reasonable to say. Uh, so I think that was a good thing, as Peter said, when we we'll, when we we'll all get ourselves together. And and you know we we're in constant constant contact with our trust etc. Just before I come on here, I was speaking to um, Everton supporters trust because we're looking at getting a reciprocal arrangement in place for the the game uh, in December. Um, and obviously when we go down to Goodison Park, we've got good good links with the food bank stuff that's going on at the moment with Everton and and Liverpool. So we're talking about that sort of thing and working closely with with, with other supporters groups and, and and I think you know if you can get yourself together in that way. You, you will have an influence. I mean, everyone's welcome, aren't they? You don't have to be a season ticket holder. You don't have to live in your castle. You could be listening to this in, I don't know, you know, North America, South America, Africa, Asia, yeah, Australia. It's, the the membership really... spans across the world. I think we did a survey at one point in time to see how many countries we actually had members in. And it, and it, it something like 100 and odd different countries. So, yeah, it's opened up absolutely everybody. Um and, and as I say, actually standing for the board is also the same. That's open to members who can put themselves forward um, following the AGM that we have to have every year. And uh, I'm actually um, an honorary member 
of the Bulgarian Newcastle United supporters group um, <laughs> because there's a group over in Bulgaria um, who <coughs> come across uh, they try to get across a couple of times a season to watch Newcastle I'm, I'm, I still don't know how they actually initially became Newcastle fans um, but they do try to get across to watch games and um, they had problems last season in uh, in getting tickets so I got in touch with Lee Marshall at the club um, on their behalf and um, whilst the, the club wouldn't do what I had suggested they should give them the tickets for free and also organise um, some coverage on Look North about these guys coming over from Bulgaria that never quite happened but Lee Marshall so they did arrange with the box office that they would get some um, a block of tickets so that they would all sit together. They had to pay for them, but they, they organised a block of tickets. And then the same thing happened again um, this year for the Liverpool. They'll come over for the Liverpool game, and we uh, we managed to put them in touch with Lee and make sure that the the guys in the ticket office got things sorted out for them. Um, so I mean, we've got you know those guys are they they they, they contact with trust. They, they they're members of the trust, and they may. They made me an honorary member of the Bulgarian um, fan club just because we we were able to help them actually get some sort of tickets, you know. So I mean, we have got fans all over all over the world. I mean, I know my sister was 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 on holiday one time and and watched one of the games in um, in America and and she was in a bar. I was I was absolutely chock a block. It was uh, with Newcastle fans. It was actually a Newcastle fans bar um, across in America, and it was. Uh, you find them all over the place, so anybody can be can join the trust. They don't have to um, don't have to be a season ticket holder. They've just got to be, I think, interested in the in the well-being of the and, and the future well-being of of Newcastle United Football Club because that's that's what it's about. We're fans of the club, and we believe it's our club. And if you believe it's your it's your club, we'll join the trust and be part of it. You know. I think you made a good point there about your or the trusts relationship with the club and the fact that people can come to the trust if there isn't isn't a problem or something that they would like us to raise with the club what is the trust relationship like with Newcastle United it's um I mean I'll I'll, I'll, I'll come in first Colin <coughs> it's, it's it's better at the minute than it has been I've got to say we've, we've had our ups and downs there's no doubt about it it was quite a well publicised period when when the trust were actually um, banned from the fans forum um, and that's for you know reasons that we don't need to go into. There was clearly there was a falling out between us and them about the way things happened. Um, but we've been invited back into the um, into the fans forum. I've attended a couple of meetings, and we're waiting to hear when the next meeting will be. I'm not sure it's any time soon just yet, but uh, we're waiting for the next meeting. But we'll be there. We've got a permanent seat at the, at the fans forum, um, and and the, whilst other support can actually get their names put forward and be part of a sort of a time limited um, member of the fans forum if they're selected by the club the trust has actually now got a permanent seat on the at the table in the in the fans forum and we'll make best use of that we'll we'll you know we, we consider ourselves the sort of the social conscience of the club so we'll challenge them on things and we'll, we'll raise issues with them um, we won't always agree with them, and I'm sure there'll be times in the future when we might fall out with them again. But I've got to say that since Rafa came in, there's been a huge, hugely different attitude. He doesn't see the fans as the enemy. He sees the fans as being on his side, and he wants us to be part of what's going on there. So, and just just to add to that, I think the support that they've given to the um, 
some fans' food bank initiative has been fantastic. Um, so I think we're working closely, and and we're also uh, we've made re- requests for them. We're working with them at the moment about the possibility of a, um, a reciprocal arrangement uh, on ticketing for the for when we play Everton. So yeah, I think it's much improved. I think historically, uh, you know, when we've been going through some bad times as a club, and I think sometimes when there was protests, um, we we seemed we, we were it was being suggested that we were behind everything and. Um, we've always said we were never a protest group as Peter said we like to be able to raise issues uh, and some of those might be thorny issues that we have to raise but we you know um, what I would say is that that was some time ago and I think at the moment uh, we're working closely with the club we work closely with other uh, fans organizations uh, you know Gallagher flags we've worked very closely with them uh, war yeah uh, NUFC fans United we've been working very closely with with everybody uh, for a uh, you know like past couple of years, and I think um, pro- probably all sparked by uh, Rafa and, and the attitude Rafa's brought. You know we had we had very close contact with supporters down in Merseyside, and they were telling us how we operate and how we see fans as central to the success of a club, and how you know the club should be a community club. And um, and I, I think I think that's been reflected in the improvement of the relationship between the club and the fans at all levels. Have we found? We, we had a campaign going sort of during 2015-16 which was called um, Whose Club Is It? And um, that, that we kind of ran a bit of a campaign over about oh, I don't know, 18 months and it, it resulted on it, we had a, um, a conference, a national conference where we invited speakers from all over the country from other clubs who had different kind of ownership models and um, and at that conference we got <coughs> Our community club statement, and uh, it's a it's a, you know it's our public document. We've, we've discussed it with with, with um, the MPs in the area, with the city council, with a whole number of people. And our community club statement simply says where we, as a trust, think that Newcastle United should be in in the grand scheme of things on on Tyneside in the northeast. And what we're saying is. It's not football clubs are not just about football and they're not just about business. They're actually integral to the way the whole community works and they should have a a part to play in whatever's going on in the northeast. And there's all sorts of bad stories about what's happened during the the Ashley years of of him telling MPs he he refused to go to lunch with them. He was he wasn't interested in meeting up with them. Derek Lampais was supposed to. Have, walked into the leader of the council's office and threatened him at one point when they were talking about changing the name of the ground. And it was um, there's been some real bad stuff going on between the club and and you know the city council and, and, and its local community. It's much better now, it's changing. Again, I think Rafa's got to take some some credit for that. But the things we asked for in that community statement and, and anybody who wants to look at it they'll see it, you know, they can you know, get copies of it from, from us or from the website and it says we want a club that, that recognises the part the fans play in, in, in taking the club forward we want a club that can work with um, local and national politicians and local business people and play a part in regenerating the local area and not just be a marketing tool for, for a sports retail company we want them to work with um, local schools and, 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 and local clubs and what have you to try and 
develop and, and keep the talent in this area that's that's clearly around there and the foundation are, are doing some great work um, but it's kind of in the past it's always been to one side and it should be front and centre of what's happening so the trust are trying to kind of put that idea out there and what I thought was fantastic is, is the, some of the, the film from the, the, the night the other night um, the 125 year celebration the Chronicle had and they were showing Benita being interviewed by um, Gabby Logan and he actually used the phrase um, community club he used it he referred to the part the club plays in the local community and how important he thinks that is now I think that's fantastic because <coughs> we've been trying for a few two or three years now to get that phrase just in, into the into the minds of people and the club have never shown any interest whatsoever in us in taking that forward and yet now we've got a manager who seems to want to put that forward because it's how he thinks of the club so I think there's a there's a fantastic opportunity for the trust to become much closer to the club now because the principles behind what we believe in that whole community club thing We've got a manager who's who's up for it. That's what he actually thinks is important. Talking about that, um, you know, the community thing. We, we also a couple of years ago um, made a successful application for the ground to be uh, classified as an asset, a community value, because you know we keep referring to it as the you know the uh, church on the hill, for want of a better term. It's at the centre of the city, and, and I keep saying to people, I pass it on the bus into work every day, and it's there, you know, and, and it's right at the centre of the city, and it's influences everything that's around it. So a couple of years ago, under some new legislation that come out, um, we applied for the club, St James Park, to be classed as an asset of community value, and, and that application was considered by the council, and, and, and it got that classification. I think that's it. It's the centre of, of our community, um, and, and, and I think that's an important thing. And this, I mean, an example. I, I was talking to. Um, I had a meeting the other day with um, one of one of the local city councillors because he's he's, he's going to take his place on the board. There's been reasons why he hasn't been able to, to take his place on the board, but he, he's um, season ticket holder, member of the trust. He's going to be a board member of the co-opted under the board. Anyway, we we were talking about a whole variety of things. One of which was um, the the pre-season trip a couple of couple of seasons ago when we went over to Schalke. And we're playing in a tournament over there with, um, I think it was Malaga and, and West Ham and Schalke and us. And it was just a pre-season trip. But it wasn't <coughs> until I got there, Schalke's, the football club's based in, it, in it, the, the city called Gelsenkirchen. And it wasn't until I got there that I, that I found out that Gelsen is actually twinned with Newcastle. Um, and it would have been a fantastic opportunity for there to be a kind of whole civic group going over like a couple of councillors, some businessmen from the city and the club all going over and just developing links between another city, a twin city and somewhere like Tyneside and instead of that it was just Newcastle just just advertising Sports Direct well it could have actually been you know just it could have been showcasing Tyneside and the city of Newcastle and doing some some business with people over there, you know. And that's the sort of thing that should be an integral part of, of what the club does. So Colin, to finish off in, in this part of the podcast, 
uh, if you if you want to address the listeners direct in in kind of put out a rallying cry to them about why they should join the Newcastle United Supporters Trust today. Yeah, well, as we've said before, I think it's important that um, all football supporters throughout the country have got um, a central body that they can go to. I think each club should have a representative body, and I think the supporters trust is the appropriate one for all football clubs, including our own at Newcastle United Supporters Trust. It allows fans to be able to join an organisation uh, that has a, a formal set of rules in place, whereby if they want to shape the 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 route the supporters go in the future, they can they can become involved. Um, they're accepted nationally now as being the the appropriate organisation that uh, that clubs should have their links with. So I think that would be the the, the way to go. Um, if you want more information, we've got our website www.nufctrust.co.uk. We've got a Twitter at NUFC Trust. Uh, you can get print, and we've got a, a contact address at info at nust.org.uk. If there's any information that people want, then they can do it. What my, what my message would be would be to say, let's all come together and take this club forward. It's the best club going. It's a it's a true community club, and I think all supporters are working together. We can, we, you know, working with the club for the benefit of the, the city, the region, and most importantly, the football club and what we see on a match day. And I think supporters trust is one of the ways that we can do that. And I would encourage uh, people to become involved, uh, check out the, the website, etc., see what we've got to offer, and contact us. We often meet up with people who are interested in joining and give them more information. We're happy to do that at any time, uh, and 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 feel that it's an organisation that you can join. And, and take supporters' uh, rights and supporters' um, requirements forward. We we'll all work together for the future in Newcastle United. Many thanks to Colin and Peter for their time there. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. After confess I'm a, also a board member of the Supporters Trust so I'm quite biased but I would urge everyone listening to join the Supporters Trust. Um, you know we've got you know hundreds of members already um, who, who contribute financially every year to £10 a membership you can pay online you can get a 10-year membership discount for 50 pounds and uh, you know the trust does have a formal relationship with Newcastle United um, and is you know already fans are seeing the benefit of supporters trust engagement as we're talked through right uh, next we'll have David from War Flags um, I mean everyone listening to this podcast and everyone who sports Newcastle is probably aware of the the onset of, of um, flag displays at the Gallagher end since the start of last season um, you know, we've talked about it for obvious reasons many times on the podcast, but the group Gallagher Flags um, joined merged forces with uh, Warham 1892, who were responsible for the singing section at St James's Park. Um, and David is here to talk to us about what they've got coming up and how they view um, their role um, on the stands at St James's. So, David, um, and I know, like I've just said to the listeners, uh, very, very, very few people will not know who War Flags are, particularly if they listen to this podcast, but do you just want to give a listen as an introduction to yourself and the group that you're here to talk about? Yeah, certainly. Um, so, uh, my name's David, and I was uh, involved with Gallagher Flags before, along with yourself and a lot of other people who have been on the podcast, and I think, uh, I think like, like the rest of us that were involved, nobody, we didn't expect it to become so massive so quickly, and it really did turn into something um, something huge and something that I think naturally had the chance to grow into something completely different or something beyond what the original plans of Gallagher Flags were in the first place. Um, 
so War Flags has kind of taken on that mantle with the uh, with the uh, through collaborating with people that were already involved with War Yem in setting up the singing section and other things that were going on there. So it really is. It's a case of trying to build on what on the foundations that have been made um, through Gallagher Flags over the last year and a half of the year or so until. Uh, that changed and trying to kind of keep pushing on to do bigger and better things and really keep uh, what we do as the biggest and best TFOs displays everything that's going on in, in English football at the moment and I think at the moment we're, we're doing that Obviously the there's there's a lot going on in term, or it seems like a lot going on from the outside looking in on your social media you're still very active um, you seem to have you know various irons in the fire for stuff coming up so would you say it's a fair comment to say that we haven't maybe yes yet seen the biggest and best things you've got planned or i suppose an easier way of putting the question is are you just getting started i really hope so yeah um if if folk have been keeping an eye on stuff we've got on war flags on twitter and the same on facebook uh, if people want to follow it and through the the war yem website which is warym1892.org.uk um, there'll be sort of little sneak peeks of some of the plans coming in. I think um, we always want to try and do something that, that goes beyond what, what we've done before. And with the 125th anniversary coming up, there's a real opportunity to do that. So over the last weekend, uh, some of the lads were in um, painting two banners, two new banners. Each of them is 30 metres long. Um, one and a half metres high with two new slogans and hopefully there'll be a third one of those as well coming and then uh, uh, beyond that there's the plans to um, try and do something for the 125th anniversary which says something about this kind of past, present and future of the club um, so we're looking at printing a load of uh, or, or a reasonable number of flags that are um, inspired by and designed based on classic sort of newspaper headlines um, from big moments in the club's history um, to all kind of mix around a centrepiece and around the flags that we've already got um, if anybody has any sort of particular ideas of some of the headlines that we should include then I'd encourage them to send stuff to us on Twitter as with any of these displays none of it can happen without the sort of funding that people give us and helping out on match days and number of people that just pick up flags and get involved is is incredible. So um, we we hope that we we can pull something really quite special off for the uh, game against Leicester. And I mean, all the information for contacting you guys will be in the description of this podcast. But uh, do you just want to run through quickly how people can? I don't know. Take part. How they can, you know, if, you know, if they're not based in the, in the area, how they can support you, uh, financially. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a few different things going on at the moment. So you can always support us through, um, through uh, GoFundMe, and uh, there's a, if you go onto the WarYM website, then you'll get the link to that, um. And it's also on Twitter quite regularly, but it's on GoFundMe slash funding the next War Flags TIFO. Um, you can do that if uh, if that's folk from a distance. And we realise that quite often 
we're always asking for people um, asking for donations and just just with from people's good faith that we're gonna um, put together another you know another fantastic display for it so we, we do um, it's quite enjoyable to do some different things as well so we've got a quiz night coming up which I know we had with Gallagher flags before as well and those are always fantastic fun to run because it's that kind of thing where it's not we're not just taking donations we're, we're putting on an event that I hope is is really enjoyable for the the people that come to it so when's that what's the date and how can people buy tickets so we've got that on the 24th of November at nine bar same as the previous quizzes and um, you can get tickets uh, by going to um, uh, it's warm 1892.org.uk forward slash quiz one two five and again all the information for that is on the website it's on the Twitter it's on the Facebook so you can keep up with it um, we've been kind of drip feeding some of the prizes through but the um, the amount of stuff that people have given this time is astonishing I think it, it adds up to about a thousand pounds worth of prizes um, we've got um, a guy who's going to give people a, a, a rally he's going to give them a rally experience around Teesside um, Autodrome he's going to give them a spin in his in his rally car that's Colin Payne who's competed in a lot of British rallies experienced driver we've got um, a signed um, replica of a 1966 World Cup uh, uh, winning shirt we've got um, a night out at the stand with meal for four and tickets for four people and uh, I think one of the ones that's really attracting people is uh, uh, I think it's um, uh, round golf for two at Close House so that's Lee Westwood's golf course of choice in the region and they've donated yeah, a chance for, for two folk to go and play around golf there as well some really astonishing fantastic stuff to, to give away Sounds good um, how important do you think it is that these these displays that you do are fan funded compared to maybe the likes of Chelsea um, you know Leicester where from you know just my personal opinion they look a bit a little bit plastic a little bit like organised fun do you kind of is that the, the, you know War Flags is direction still very much this is a fan funded movement yeah absolutely yeah we don't want to I think the last thing that anybody wants is for this to, to end up being sort of dictated by by anybody within the club we have a, a wonderful amount of freedom at the moment to do what we want to do and it gives you this opportunity to paint the banners like the 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 spanish banner for rafa and then the the display that we had before crystal palace and i, I love this uh, personally and this i mean i'm sure everybody has sort of different views on what makes it special but i love the kind of madness that you get in the gallagher from the displays that we've managed to build from Gallagher flags and now from war flags as well. I think it, you just have a load of people with clappers or just with these little flags. It, it doesn't, it, it looks a little bit sort of plastic, a little bit naff. Whereas I think the stuff that we do looks organic and it has a message behind it and it all comes from the fans. So that message means more. And, uh, I hope that comes across in the stuff that we do. And are you still, you know, if someone's listening to this who is going to a match, who's going to the Leicester game or is going to a game in the future and wants to get involved and take part, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. We always want, um, we're always up for people people coming in and, and joining and helping. 
you can do that by contacting us through any of the social media stuff or through the website or um, on match days any of us that are putting the flags out just come and say hello and if you want to hold something if you want to take part help make these displays happen then we're always we always need volunteers I think it's it's probably worth mentioning that there's a few of us who have done these kind of uh, interviews and bits and pieces before but the kind of stuff that makes these displays happen and the people that make them happen are often the ones that the last thing they want to do is is have their their name out anywhere but they're spending saturday and sunday regularly in in the ground at different places painting banners putting flags on poles cleaning things doing an unbelievable amount of work to make it happen and none of it could happen without without folk like that and if anybody else wants to to come and take part then we're always delighted to to welcome new people in so that was david there from war flags uh spoke very well and this uh this leicester game is is going to look unbelievable <laughs> i feel um so many thanks to david all of the links in terms of the quiz in terms of the online shop they've got and you know and um, public donations check out the description of this podcast there's also links to everyone else we speak to but they're direct links for you to be able to get through to donate buy whatever join etc so from one set of flags uh, from the established war flags to the new boys on the block which is lisa's flags and here's my chat with uh, ed rennick of lisa's flags about just exactly what they've got planned so ed um why don't you start off from the beginning? Um, how did how did Lisa's flags come about? How did it happen? Well, the last couple of seasons I've been in the Lisa's end, and last thirty years I've been in and out of it, and just watched the. I mean, you know yourself, mate. The the atmosphere has just deteriorated over the last probably ten years or so. Worst case, and um, the last few years, <clears throat> as you know, I got involved with Warm. And that was for exactly the same reasons. The atmosphere is just flat. But this season, particularly with regard to Lisa's flags, just sitting in the Lisa's end, looking at what's going on in the Gallagher, you can hear them singing. You can see that that's enthused other people to sing, and it's starting to spread. And the you know the 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 lift in the atmosphere, people get and the pride they get from seeing the flags waving. I just thought, you know, how good would it be if we had that at the other end as well? So, one, we can improve on the atmosphere, but everybody sat in the Gallagher end can actually see something going on at the other end as well. And uh, it was the Liverpool game, actually. It was the Monday morning after the Liverpool game because the display you guys put on that day, the singing was superb. It was just, you know, one of the best atmospheres I've I've seen for a while and that was really that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me so was it just a case of you you know you're just an individual you're just a fan like you say and you just thought someone's gotta kind of grab the bull by the horns for our hour I use the word hour for you in the leasers part of the ground and and think you know what it's time to do something about it it it, it literally was as simple as that and um, much the same as, as previously but I could you know you can hear people talking you look on social media and there's loads of appetite for it, but it's it's just that that one person going right actually, you know, stake in the ground. If we want to do this, who would be interested? And um, it was first first even first forty eight hours, but the first week was mind boggling how many people were were interested in one getting involved, but two 
how many people from the Gallagher end and uh, from the other stands were you know, behind it as well. They wanted to see it just as much as the people sitting in the lasers. And within a week, within a couple of days, it was it was obvious I was on to something. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. I suppose you've answered a bit of it. What's the reception been like from fellow supporters to get this going? Uh, un, just unbelievable. Way better than I could have ever imagined. I, I was looking back the other day. I think we're in, this is the week five possibly going into week six now since I had that kind of thought that Sunday evening and um, got it going on the Monday morning. It's been spectacular. I mean, between Facebook and Twitter, the two main platforms, if you will, we've got going on 6,000 followers between the two. Um, we've raised nearly two and a half grand in, in four weeks, really. And um, we've got an absolute raft of people who want to help on match days um who want to just get involved in holding flags um or just you know just want to kind of say well done and keep keep it going it's been honestly breathtaking but not surprising because i know how well you guys have have been received in terms of, of what you build up there um but still still overwhelming for sure and how about the club of the club uh with the club on side with what you had planned club uh, honestly have been uh, that that's normally the bit you kind of earmark is the most difficult yeah. and uh, obviously Gallagher flags had blazed a, a serious trail from a health and safety perspective from all that kind of red tape that you can get snarled up with a lot of that had been kind of done so in true ca- hanging on the coattail fashion we kind of played on that and obviously all the, you know the relationship I had previously with the guys and um, you know, less than a handful of meetings, and at no stage did the club push back or discourage it or anything like that. It was always very much, definitely think it's a great idea. We want to help you sooner rather than later. Obviously, we've got lots going on at the same time. We've got to try and shoehorn you in somewhere. But you know, if you think four weeks in, and, and the club had given us the the green light that we could. Uh, do a, a display and, and do it for every home game that we can organise it for. So, you know, unreal, man. Unreal support from the club, I've got to say. Great to hear. And so where, when does this start? When when other people listen to this, uh, you know, who are both going to the game and listening from around the world, when are they going to be able to see some flags at the Leeser's end? 9th, 9th of December. So wow. the, the 125th anniversary game, we... We picked that. It's been a little bit fortuitous in terms of the run-up to get approval from the club, but actually um, it, it's worked out pretty well. So it'll be the 9th of December, the um, Leicester game, and um, we'll be out in full force. We've had a, a vote going on for the last four days now, um, and the flags, I must admit, the flags I thought might top the charts have. Yeah. So we're, we're we're sitting on a, a pretty good display for the first display. And is that is that something becoming you know it's great. Um, this podcast, the reason I'm doing this podcast, as I've explained before, we spoke at is that it's so good to have so many different parts of the community, the fan community, doing different things. Obviously, you, you're you know you're doing flags like the the other end of the ground, but is like maybe the public vote is that trying to do something maybe a little bit different and. You know, provide that kind of alternative so that you're you're very much your own group because you're letting the general public have a say. Yeah, and I think you know, it, obviously, we're conscious of, of 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 what's gone before us, and yeah, there is an element of 
of trying to be a bit different but the the logic was simple certainly in terms of the first display which was you know it's the public who are, are making the donations and making it possible for us to do it it made it made total sense for them to have a, a you know some kind of a say in, in terms of what we we displayed and and whether it's people who've donated or, or people who haven't um it's been fairly universal in terms of the favorites that that's for sure but one thing just touching on you mentioned about um your your reach in terms of this podcast we're we're, we're speaking to some of the overseas fan groups as well so for example um the italian fan group um and ufc italy they've they've um, donated and Brilliant. we're displaying a flag for those guys and the plan is further down the track to do something that's a little bit more related to the the more, the more global family of mags um, but for um, this display we've got two or three um, kind of guest appearance flags from um, some of the guys in the states as well so we're, we're, we're speaking to you know they get to see it on the TV just the same as we do in the UK and I think it it kind of it helps bring everybody together you know we're spread far and wide whether the Americans or, or Australians who are English and have moved over there, or actually, you know, the, the, they've lived there all their lives. Um, we've still got loads of supporters all over the world. So, you know, we've been working on a couple of projects uh, with those guys as well. And how how long term is this for for both for the group and for you? Is this something that you want to see foster a kind of culture? long term even you know years down the line or is it very much a wait and see what happens it's uh well it's always got to be a wait and see what happens because there's some you know there's variables but the, the way the wind's blown at the minute are i'd like to keep this going for as long as possible develop this into into something special for the, the next generations to pick up and adapt as, as people move on um you know i come from a an older generation i'm bringing my own kids now and Again, that was something that was killing me last season. We were we were winning games. We were in the championship. Yet it was still horrifically flat for you know historic reasons and and many other that we've all gone over with a fine tooth comb. But it's absolutely long term. From you know utopia for for Lisa's flags would be to build some kind of a, a you know some kind of a, a an official singing section, much the same as being as has been uh, established and has gone really well at the Gallagher end, something similar in the Leasers end, and start, you know, hopefully what, what may that do? Enthuse the East stand. <laughs> you, know, you know, everybody's going to be happy if we if we get it going in, in other sections of the, the, the stadium. That, that can only lead on to, to better things for the atmosphere. We, we know this kind of thing's infectious. It's gone from the Gallagher and, and it's starting to go strong in the Leasers. There's nothing to, to stop us thinking that might not just take off in other parts of the ground. And, you know, how, how important do you think, I asked the other f- uh, flag group this on air, how, how important do you think that it is that these kind of displays are off or like, like you've, you've gone, to, you know, gone to try and prove or, or help it with the, that they're fan ideas and fan funded, that they're not kind of, um, Chelsea and they're not Leicester with their club plan displays. Like how 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 important is the authenticity of what you're doing? It's it's look it we've that's paramount. I mean look we you know we got we got a lot of images sent in. Some were 
you know not ideal some were parodies and and while some people like them it was it was all about keeping exactly that that authenticity and and i think that plays back into the picking the anniversary day to do it that really plays into the kind of theme that we wanted to go longer term with in terms of remembering what's gone before you know that that's got to be you know how we started who who the players were evolved who actually helped build up this this reputation this club this everything that we've got going for us up here um so yeah it you know really if we can emulate and you know to blow the trumpet i don't mind blowing the trumpet man i'm i'm sure i, I can't see you blushing anyway <laughs> you know the 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 authenticity that gallagher flags brought to the whole thing was Superb, mate. That's one of the you know the big reasons why it took off so much. It wasn't a part of the establishment. It was very much fan led, and it was very much you know kind of speaking for the fans in terms of what they want to see and what what makes them proud of the club, what makes them proud to to wear that shirt and and go on the, the way we do every season, every game. Um, so really, just trying to emulate you know the kind of thing that you guys did. Okay, and I suppose my last question would be if people are listening to this and they're, they're hearing for the first time what you're doing or they now like what they hear, how can they get in touch with you to become part of it or how can they help? Great question. So we've got a, a website set up now. It's dead easy. It's uh, all the w's.leasersflags.co.uk. There's a, a really easy to fill in section on there um, in which we just ask you, you know, two or three questions with an email address. Um, if you want to help out in any way, that's just getting involved in, in sharing social media or actually helping on match day, helping with flag designs. There's all manner of things um, we need um, support with, helping run websites and all kinds. So, you know, um, any idea is a great idea for us at the moment. The, the guys who, the public who've reached out um, so far have come back with, you know, it's been genuinely breathtaking the, the the depth and breadth of, of support that's out there um, that comes totally left field sometimes but easiest way straight on the website or you can uh, quite easily find us on Twitter and uh, we're, we're on Facebook as well So Lisa's Flags sounds like there's absolutely huge plans afoot for uh, for their first display so I hope everyone can get behind them and uh, as well as War Flags and you know, St James is going to be some site uh, in, in, in home match days to come, uh, even more so than it is now. Um, last, but very not uh, very much not least, is uh, Bill Corcoran from the Newcastle United Fans Food Bank, uh, one of the first initiatives of its kind in the country and responsible for raising thousands and thousands of pounds for local people who are, you know, in the unfortunate position where they're relying on uh, food bank um, contributions to, to feed themselves and their families. Um, you know, as usual, all of the links um, and ways to donate that Bill's going to allude to are in the description of this podcast. So I'd hope very much, uh, if you've enjoyed what you heard, to 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 go on and and give it a, a donation. And um, you know, I'll leave you with Bill. Because Colin Whittle of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust had an idea, and he, he came to see me and said, "Look, we've got to do a food bank." And uh, me, Steve Hasty, and Colin sat down and kind of googled it and thought. Well, you know, this this looks like a bit complicated because I I, I thought well, be, there'd be three of us with a cardboard box full of tins of beans, and then you realise well, who's supposed to get the food? How can you tell? How do you do the compliance? What about the what about money? What about rules and regulations? And so I went to see um, 
a marvellous lady called Shauna Alexander from the Citizens Advice Bureau in Newcastle who, who helped us out uh, a while ago when we had the, uh, I'll call it the anti-Wonga meeting, although it wasn't advertised as such, when Wonga were at the Lytton Phil and uh, we basically uh, you know, asked them questions about their moral uh, behaviour and things like that. And Sean had pointed us in the direction of uh, Mike Nixon from the West End Food Bank, the one that's in the film by Daniel Blake and the one that hopefully everybody's heard of. And um, Mike was good enough to start, you know, telling us things. And he, he said, first and foremost, half of the food that they were getting at the time, now this is this is around about last year, around about December 2016, they were having to go to London and getting it, you know. Um mm. So half the food that was going to the hungry people of Tyneside, a thousand people a week, actually came up on a lorry from London, and we thought, oh, you know, that's a bit, that's a bit rubbish. So we started off. I remember Michael Martin was really instrumental in getting it going, showing I Daniel Blake at the Irish Centre, and we raised eight hundred quid that night with um, lots of people getting involved. We had uh, Councillor Dipper, Dipper Wahad came along and. and uh, <laughs> kind of give free curry so we, 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 we bid some money for that and that raised I think 75 quid and um, it, it kind of snowballed into well we'll just have a, a stall at the, at the match against Derby County on the 5th of February and we hadn't got a clue what was going to happen we just didn't know and uh, we got a ton of food and we got about 600 quid and uh, more the point the reaction from the people was and, and has been from that day to, to this Utterly extraordinary. I mean, we've just had a weekend where, you know, um, those international football phobes like me just kind of ignored football this weekend, really. And but I was in St James's Park for two days because the festive fair was on this glorified Christmas market, and uh, we've been counting jelly beans all weekend because the, the club gave us a load of jelly beans in a jar. And uh, the big competition, the big sporting trial this weekend was guess how many jelly beans is in the jar. And with that, we raised. Uh, you know, 511 quid over wow. two days, which isn't as much as we'd get from a one-home match. But when you consider there was only about maybe 4,000 people came in, came, came in over the two days, it was pretty good. And we got nine big racks of food. So that probably means it's almost like getting a thousand pounds paid in. And that every week will pay for the 50% of food that was, was kind of, that, that we need to replace from, from London and um, one of the things that the, uh, the, the the volunteers of the food bank say is they say that they've never ever had a crossword from any Newcastle United fan on a, on a match day collection whereas now and again they'll go somewhere like um, you know the average Tesco out of town stall and somebody will give them a daily mail editorial back or ask questions about scrounges and you know all that sort of stuff now anybody's looked into the food bank and I urge anybody who's listening who doesn't 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 get it, doesn't want to take my word for it, doesn't want to take the papers for it, just go and have a look. Just go up to the West Road, St Cuthbert's Church on the West Road. Uh, you know, it's not difficult to find. Just look at the people in there. They're not they're not scroungers, they're just desperate, they're just hungry. And um they're our people as well. So they say that they've never had a crossword or a problem with any football fan, whereas they get the odd problem from, I suppose, your respectable uh, middle-class <clears throat> house, housewife or whatever. And so, you know, I, I think we should be kind of congratulating football fans. Football fans get a right load of grief sometimes from uh, from all kinds of, the you know, the, the spectrum um, for 
for, you know, I don't know, for being pot-bellied, misogynistic, you know, drunken, violent, racist, all of that. And you know and I know, and everybody knows it goes to football, that's just not the case. And um, certainly with Newcastle fans, I think uh, Newcastle fans are about the most caring people in this in this world. And uh, they've, they've just covered themselves with glory over the last over the last nearly a year. We're coming up to our first Christmas. And, and as I say, now we don't have to drive a lorry to, to London every week to get the food. The food is being produced here, even in really difficult circumstances, because the impact of social security regulations with universal credit have meant that it's it's uh, kind of, there's about a twenty percent greater demand, and when you get the cold weather and you know the dark nights, it means some people just haven't got the money to pay for heating or food, and they have to. One of those things has to go, and um, as a result, the, the the best thing that people can do, because I think you know we should all go to the match and have a drink and enjoy ourselves, just put fifty pence or a pound in the jar or, or whatever you can afford, or bring some groceries. Um, the, the food bank has a a website if you if you just google west end food bank or look at nufc fans food bank on on social media um you can find out what we need at the moment we'd like people to bring advent calendars for the for the watford match just because those kids you know the kids are the, the people that can't afford food they're just kids it's not their fault that mom and dads don't have that much money it would be nice that they have a, an advent calendar like everybody else does with a bit of chocolate in it and um you know so that would be that would be cool and as for the rest of it, I just want everybody to keep on doing exactly what they've been doing and, and keep this thing going. And one day, uh, this will just be a memory. People will be saying, did we really have a food bank? And I hope to God, you know, that, that comes soon because I want to get me pretty much bevying back, really. But until that until that day comes, then you can't just ignore it. You can't just pretend that you can lose yourself in football with, with kids starving just half a mile away from the ground. It's uh, It's not possible. So... People get involved, keep on doing what they're doing, bring some money, bring some food to the home matches. We'll be there, we'll be accepting it, and um, and we'll keep you informed on exactly how, how things are progressing and what's going on. Thanks there to Bill, who spoke excellently about the Food Bank Initiative. Uh, that's it for today's show. It's, uh, it's been much longer than I thought it would be, well, an hour exactly. Thanks, if, uh, thanks for listening. You know, I always ask people to retweet and share on Facebook. If you could do that for this podcast, I'd be even more grateful than usual because they're such good causes for a variety of reasons from charity to support and engagement to general atmosphere and inclusion at, at home games so uh, please share if you can you always do us a massive favor uh, by leaving us a positive review on itunes that would be great and we will be back for you thursday as early as i can get it out after work full man united preview football's back i'm going to the game with norman um so we're definitely going to win because there'd be no point going if I didn't believe that. Um, so, yep, Man U preview uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then uh, the full podcast on the Sunday, where hopefully Rafa's mag get you know back to winning ways, or at least avoid defeat, or at least put in a good performance. But more of that on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.